Hello and welcome to the Go Gamecocks podcast, a quick and informative look into the state of South Carolina athletics presented by the state newspaper. I am your host, Greg Hadley, and I am joined by do-it-all reporter Ben Briner. We are previewing the Gamecocks Saturday game against Georgia, kicking off at noon, televised on ESPN. Ben, let's hop right into it. South Carolina is the big underdog in this. I think the line is up to 24, maybe 25 points. So how can South Carolina at least make this competitive? Where can Georgia be exploited? They're ranked number three in the country, a very talented team. They've already taken down a top 10 opponent in Notre Dame. But do they have any weaknesses to exploit? It's pretty hard to find a weakness on this team just because their wide receivers are so talented, their running game is so good, and the defense is still pretty nasty. I think the defense might not quite be up to the talent level at this moment. I want to say they were number 16 or so in one of the advanced metrics coming into the week. So I think that South Carolina could get a little bit done, but a lot of that's going to revolve around keeping Ryan Linsky upright and some of those receivers making big plays like we saw against Alabama. And the last two weeks, they really haven't seen a ton of that. I'll be interested to see if Georgia kind of packs the box, tries to focus on the Gamecocks running game, or maybe plays with two high safeties and gives South Carolina a little more room to work, kind of leaving that front seven or six to fend for itself. Yeah, you mentioned South Carolina's run game, and obviously that was very key for the Gamecocks against Kentucky before the open week. But Georgia's defense... I know you said it may not be quite as fierce as it has been in previous years, but they still have only allowed 298 rushing yards over the course of the entire season. They lead the SEC in rushing yards per game. When you look at South Carolina's offensive line, especially freshman Jalen Nichols, how can they sustain that improvement and make sure backs like Rico Dattle and Tavian Feaster continue to put up big numbers? They're just going to have to step up and play well. That's a very boring answer, but it's kind of the thing you have to do. I mean, you're talking about you're talking about facing off against a defense that is loaded with talent. They mix stuff up a fair amount. Will Muschamp was extremely complimentary of the safety play he's seen from Georgia, especially their ability to sort of erase what could potentially be a big gain. Now, at times, Georgia has been pretty good at uh, the other half of defense, just sort of getting folks off the field seem to be pretty good at that again but the fact that Muschamp is mentioning the big play aspect probably tells you a little bit something it'll be interesting to see if they can get Nichols help if he needs help he had some ups and downs going against Kentucky also had two weeks off to kind of ruminate to kind of work on that I think it'll still be just an extremely tall order in kind of dealing with that and being able to sort of get a handle on it Though, to be fair, the Bulldogs are only at three sacks a game and haven't played necessarily the toughest schedule. So it stands to reason that if they're not getting, you know, more than that at this juncture, perhaps that pass rush isn't quite yet, you know, fully operational. Yeah, and that'll be key because, like you said, keeping Ryan Holinsky upright and, most importantly, healthy moving forward, that's going to be absolutely massive for this team. One thing I did want to bring up that was mentioned a lot in Tuesday's media availability was the pin-and-pull run game scheme. And, you know, it's, it sounds nice, but I don't think many people really understand what that is. But Will Muschamp said it was a big deal for the run game's resurgence against Kentucky, and it could be a big deal again against Georgia. So can you really quickly explain in basic terms what that is and how South Carolina has used it? Really quickly. Uh, I will try on that one. The pin and pull scheme is sort of a basic sweep scheme or kind of family of sweep schemes that are kind of bread and butter for really a lot of what almost every college football offense does. The basic structure of it is 
you're going to have some edge guys. They're going to want to pin one edge defender and pretty much kind of create a wall. Then you're going to have two guys, hopefully guards, sometimes tackles or centers, are going to pull out and kind of lead the way. Different schemes have different rules, and they all kind of adjust with the defensive front. Usually the rule of thumb is players who are uncovered, so offensive linemen who don't have a defensive lineman lined up across from them, those are going to be your pullers. Those are guys who are going to step back and kind of pop out and lead the way for a perimeter, perimeter-ish run. South Carolina had a lot of success with it against Kentucky, which runs a, a three-defensive lineman look, which meant both of their guards were the ones to do it. You usually would have tight end and a tackle, double-teaming one of the defensive ends, then the lead guard was going to come and kind of find the first edge defender, push him toward the sidelines, and the next puller comes up into the hole and usually looks for the first linebacker he can find to level. It's a bread-and-butter scheme. South Carolina has pretty much relied on that, their inside zone, as their two base runs, maybe with a few change-ups here and there, but not a ton. And it's a scheme that's pretty much ubiquitous in the sport. Teams from Chip Kelly's old Oregon teams to the University of Wisconsin's I-formation running game will use the pin and pull at different stops. And South Carolina seems like they're operating it really well this season, though a lot of that was just how much damage they did with it against Kentucky. We'll have to see if that carries over into the next two weeks where they're going to be facing two really tough defenses and then going into really must-win games against Tennessee and Vanderbilt. If it is this ubiquitous, why are we hearing so much about it right now? Is it just kind of the flavor of the day, the hot jargony term? A little bit. I think it kind of comes down to a couple of things. First, they were running it really well, and they were running it a lot against Kentucky. So as sort of happens in college football, when something good happens, people sort of gravitate toward that. And that, you know, that doesn't just count people who don't necessarily know a lot about scheme. Even even people who are very deep into that sort of minutia of the game will kind of get caught on something if it was something that was showed in a big moment. I think it's also just kind of coming up because it worked, and South Carolina's really, really relied on it this season, especially against Kentucky. I think Muschamp said that they majored in it, which is an interesting phrasing, but I think it's it's sort of a combination of South Carolina using it more and it having been mentioned and therefore kind of working its way into the lexicon in interviews and such. Hey there. Like what you hear? Good news. You can help ensure the state continues making journalism you love to read, watch, and listen to. If you're more into sports than news, you'd probably like our Sports Pass membership, which gives you access to unlimited sports coverage for just $30 for the first year. Subscribe to Sports Pass at thestate.com slash sportspass. You can also read more Gamecocks news by downloading the Go Gamecocks app or by signing up for our newsletter at thestate.com slash newsletters. Thanks for supporting local journalism. Now, back to today's episode. And looking at the other side of the line, because I feel like in the trenches is going to be so key for this game, Georgia's offensive line features maybe its greatest collection of talent. You know, they've dealt with some injuries, but they are still looking at an incredible unit that helps block for the SEC's top rushing offense. But South Carolina's defensive line has been one of their strengths this year as well. So when you look at that matchup, what do you think is going to be most important? What do you think is going to be most exciting to watch? I think you're just going to kind of have to see if South Carolina can create enough ballast to sort of hold on against that group. And that's not really an indictment of South Carolina's defensive line necessarily. It's just that Georgia's offensive line is really absurdly good. 
I mean, I would take them to push around any unit that is short of, say, Auburn, maybe Alabama. I think that that line could cause problems for pretty much any line in the country outside the maybe top one, two, three. I think that offensive line is that good. So what you might try to look for, what can Javon Kinlaw do? Can DJ Wanham set the edge and sort of manipulate things to at least keep the running game contained or funneled toward the linebackers? And just kind of can South Carolina hold up and can South Carolina keep its linebackers somewhat clean? Because if those big linemen get downfield and start popping your Ernest Jones or your TJ Brunson or one of the safeties, then that opens up the the gate for an extremely big play. Now, what Muschamp basically said, after I'd sort of asked him a little bit about kind of the scheme that they run, Georgia doesn't tend to rely on two tight end sets, and they don't tend to rely on two back sets. They tend to just have one tight end or no tight end in, in in the box and just let that line feast on people. So that should tell you kind of how good this group is that they don't necessarily need a lot of help from other big bodies and they can still push most anyone around. Yeah, that matchup between DJ Wanham and Georgia's left tackle, Andrew Thomas, he's considered one of the top prospects in the NFL draft. That is going to be something to watch for sure. It probably will be. It's always kind of interesting because the the edge tackle matchups can garner a little more attention. And certainly if South Carolina can cause some problems there, beyond that, the question is going to be, can Wanham at least create enough havoc to maybe draw some help? Or can he take some kind of advantage of that one-on-one coverage? If Georgia's left tackle is as good as advertised, that might be tough. You might end up having to see, can Kinlaw create some movement against double teams? What kind of happens on the other side of the line? Because, again, it's a pretty tough matchup. And that Georgia offense, it has a different reputation than it probably deserves because it's kind of a very functional RPO-heavy offense, likes working in the perimeters, can throw deep but isn't necessarily dialing up a ton of shot plays, probably for no other reason than there's so much talent everywhere else that if you just flip the ball out to those guys, they'll run some folks over. Yeah, you kind of hit on what I was going to ask next. Jake Fromm, Georgia's quarterback, has a reputation as a game manager. Coach Will Muschamp, for his part, has been very complimentary of Fromm. Let's take a quick listen to what he said this Tuesday. Jake Fromm is completing right out about 80, 80% of his passes. I think he was 24 of 29 uh, Saturday night, very accurate with the football, a lot of command. Um, and what they do offensively, obviously, he's had a lot of, a lot of turns and reps, uh, but just an overall really good football player. For South Carolina's secondary that has had its ups and downs this year, but definitely has talent in cornerbacks, J.C. Horn and Israel Mukwamu, what do you think they can do against a guy like Fromm, and how much are they you know, in danger of getting burned? It's interesting because Fromm is not often asked to, for lack of a better word, make the play happen. He throws lots of slants. He can throw hitches. He can, he can hit a ton of routes really well, but he's not often asked to do a lot of the really difficult work because, let's face it, those receivers can run over most any corner, and those backs can cause havoc for most any one. So I think in terms of Jake Fromm, pushing the pocket, getting some people in front of him would help, and it's not something South Carolina does very often. They might have to try to get in the faces of people and just say, if you're going to beat us, beat us over the top. Now, it's risky because Jake Fromm certainly can do that, but it might be a better alternative to get henpecked to death And by henpecked, I mean giving up five-yard slants that turn into eight to 10 to 12-yard plays on the tackle. So I think that could 
kind of be an element of it. But Jake Fromm, again, is he's an odd quarterback to watch because he is supremely talented. People probably understate his ability. He was a top 50 national recruit. You know, he's a higher rated recruit than Ryan Halinski, but because the quarterback before him and the quarterback after him came in with so much more hype, he sort of gets reduced in a way. I think he's certainly got that ability. There's some rumblings he could be a first-round draft pick. Don't know about that, but certainly has kind of the pro-style pedigree. I think it's an interesting gamut to basically try to say, make Jake Fromm beat you. And I don't actually know if that's the right choice, because that's just not an easy thing to do, because Jake Fromm is is pretty darn good. I mean, we saw against Alabama— I mean, even those little slants that you're talking about in the hands of the right playmakers can still be deadly. Correct. Now, Georgia's receivers are bigger than Alabama's, but certainly don't have the same kind of top-end speed and explosiveness. Looking big picture at this rivalry, I think South Carolina has lost four in a row. And specifically looking at these past two years, going into last year, people were very excited. It was, you know, the 330 game on CPS at Williams-Brice. And then Georgia came out and just kind of smacked him in the mouth. And then you look back at 2017 at Sanford Stadium in Athens, and South Carolina actually kept it, you know, decently respectable. For this fan base, how important is it to keep it respectable? Because, you know, going into this year, we saw the Alabama, the Clemson, the Georgia game. We kind of maybe wrote those losses to begin with. But how much, it, how important is it to stay respectable? I think it matters from a perception standpoint. I think... Every really bad loss you take is just mounds worse than even a close loss. That game two years back, it wasn't exactly like it was highly competitive. I think South Carolina might have had one chance to cut it to within one score after halftime. So it wasn't like it was, you know, a tight battle all the way. But South Carolina in that game, at the very least, kept Jake from from, you know, He was efficient, but he didn't have big numbers, and they kind of put a little bit of a cap on a really, really good running game that ended up carrying the Bulldogs to the national title. I think going into this one, South Carolina is going to need to get a little bit of that uh, turnover juice back. They're going to need to force some of those just to get a few Georgia possessions off the table. And South Carolina, it's kind of been the story for them all year. They're going to need to pop a couple of big plays, especially against a team like Georgia, because that's not a team that you're going to be able to march more than a handful of times on. You're going to need to, you know, throw the ball over someone's head in uh, Will Muschamp's words. You're going to need to break some runs. And so I think it matters in the big picture because basically when you're outgunned, any competitiveness helps. You look back at the Alabama game, there was value in Ryan Helinski throwing for 300 yards. There's value in, the, in uh, Rico Dowdle having a good game. There's even value in kind of putting a cap on Alabama's run game to a degree, though with the pass game it didn't totally matter. So I think there's kind of a lot of that factor. In the biggest picture, if they lose, it'll be a loss, but getting run out on the road, it just kind of casts a pall over the next week, especially as you're going into a game against Florida, which could very much define the course of the season were South Carolina able to pull an upset. All right, that's all the time we have for now. But please be sure to keep reading and keep tuning in on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.